This week, we're going to discuss chapter two from Who Am I? Talking about I am in Christ. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Ancient Ways for Modern Days, where we discuss the truths of Scripture applied to everyday life. My name is Andrew, and with me, my co-host, my co-host is Mike Freeman. Mike Freeman. That's right. I'm going to get smoother at that as, as time goes on. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing really good, man. It's, are you? Uh, it's another good day. You look refreshed. Refreshed? Yeah. You look like you got a good night's sleep. <laughs> you know, because I know like illness has been going around. Like I, I was hit hard. Uh, one of our deacons was hit hard this last week yeah. and things. So you look good today. Slept hard last night. That's good. Of course, youth group wears you out. I was at youth group last night and then I uh, came home to find my neighbor chopping a, you know, with a chainsaw, cutting a tree out of our road yes. so that we could get home. That was kind of a little adventure in late at night. So here in the Pacific Northwest, I know it was forecasted almost last week that we were going to enter into the snowpocalypse of 2020. <laughs> Here in Longview, Washington, we saw maybe, at least on the valley floor, half an inch, and it just went away. Yeah. But we did get some crazy windstorms. Yesterday, in the we got a lot week. of good wind, yep. Yeah. So we had a tree blow down and blocked about six of us from getting out of our, our street or getting into it. Yeah. And I know there are a couple families that, had, that were without power. As I drove by the church uh, last night after taking some kids home from youth group, I saw some of the youth leaders were still at the building, and it was like close to 10. Oh, really? And uh, we pulled in and they're like, hey, what are you guys doing? They're like, well, we don't have power, so we're just sitting here on our phones. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. You guys, do you guys want any food or anything? They're like, no, nah, we've got Hot Pockets. And I was like, okay. There good you night. go. <laughs> so, so that was good. Mike, I want to I wanna give a shout out to, uh, to, to you, I guess, because uh, something interesting happened yesterday. And I actually kind of already told you about this. But uh, I just want to say your kids are super strong. Oh, man. Yeah. So for for our Wednesday night programs lately, I've been uh, I've been taking the approach of a PE teacher, I guess. I've been trying to find games that directly tie into the lesson that we are teaching for the Gospel Project, which, by the way, uh, if you're part of Valley, I want you to know this is going really well. I'm super excited with the, the, the movement forward. Strong start to the new year with that. Yes. All 100%. Yeah. And... Uh, so I, lately, I've been bringing in like gym equipment, and we're playing games, and I'm trying to get them kids to move well. They don't realize it, but I'm getting them to exercise for about 45 minutes before <laughs> before we go into to the lessons and stuff. But uh, your youngest boy, he dragged he dragged a sled of 120 pounds, like three or four feet, last night, and uh, he, it was safe. I was watching, I was monitoring this whole thing. But man, his his determination, his grit. I was like, there we go. There's a champion right there. So I just wanted to share that with you, and you know, share it between you and me and the internet. There you go. He, so. He's uh, you know, he's he's the one that's the most brick of all of our kids. <laughs> he's got the lowest center of gravity, and, and man, he uses it to his advantage. He's, he he's a pretty athletic little kid. He's got great little balance, and so it's fun to hear that he's yeah. pulling weights and and strong. Yeah, it's funny because he knows he knows how to get low and and to use that. So that's that was that was funny to me. So, so yeah, Mike, what's going on in your world, man? Man, in our world, we're uh, finishing up this weekend. Um, actually, this will drop after it, but our, our series on Philemon. Yes. And that's been really, personally, just a joy for me mm-hmm. to, to read through and to, to dive into. There's more in there than I even realized, and it's really challenged me and encouraged me, and especially last weekend, talking a lot about kind of Paul's role as a influencer and as a leader and how he led with with boldness, but it was very gentle and it was very loving and it was really centered on Christ. And, um, so me personally, that's, 
That's kind of where I'm at right now. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I turned 33 yesterday. You did? I did. I uh, I have been trying to trick as many people as I could leading up to my birthday that I was turning 40. And uh, I think I got a couple kids believing that. And I think that's funny to me because you, you know that kids, like, they can't tell the difference in ages. Kind of like, I think, like, once you get to a certain age, you look back at high school and you can, I can't tell the difference between a freshman and a senior, right? But uh, I don't know. I just something about the idea of turning 40 is funny to me because when I say that to people who have been 40... Uh, they're like, why? Why do you pick forty? Are you picking on us? Wow. We're older than forty, and I'm like, no, I just think forty is a good age. I don't know. Looking forward to that. Um, to, to anybody listening who gave me things like, hey, I just a shout out to the random donuts and cookies and things that I got throughout the day. That was, uh, I appreciate that. I just lets me know that I, you were expressing love, and uh, I, I, I received it. So thank you. And I also for the people who went out of their way to make me healthy cookies. Uh, that's a weird word. Healthy cookies. I enjoyed them to the extent that you made them for me. <laughs> Except for the keto ones, you know who you are. Those were really good. You you know who you are. Who who made who you made those keto cookies? <laughs> so, Mike, we've got a couple things. Uh, just kind of transitioning to news, I guess about for for within our church, we've got things coming down the pipe. Uh, I thought maybe we would pay, uh, maybe just give people a heads up about uh, some Easter things that are coming up. Yeah. I know it's early, but then maybe this way people kind of start to get a heads up of what, what they're... It's coming quick. Yeah. Um, I know uh, you, you told me that we, we are looking to do a choir thing, right? Yeah. So we've got a whole kind of a series of events lined up yeah. for Easter in terms of really celebrating the resurrection of Christ and also like just engaging with our community. This mm-hmm. is a, a really easy time to invite people and to see the goodness of, of the church and as the church reflects Christ, hopefully understand who Jesus is. So we do have a, uh, a Easter cantata that's going to happen the Sunday evening before Easter, right? And the day before that we have a kids event, which is, which is going to be an Easter egg hunt. So uh, as, as I was thinking through just kind of sharing this, we're still putting together a lot of details. I know with the Easter egg hunt, uh, we were going to assume we're going to be indoors. I think the last few years, we thought we were going to be outdoors, and then we ended up moving it indoors. So we're going to just right off the bat be like, we're going to be indoors. And then we're also doing the weekend before Easter so that, you know, as a church, if you're, if you're listening to this, this is, a, this is a, uh, an opportunity for you to, number one, invite your friends who don't go, who don't come to Valley to come and just check it out. And then through that, we'll have like some uh, invites to the services the following week if they want to do. So we just want to do, you know, like half steps into just stepping into yeah. a service. So there's that. And then for choir, I think we're looking to do something big. So I think we are looking to put, put together one big choir this year. Right. Our hope is so that there'll be the cantata the, the weekend before, but then on Easter Sunday for our Pacific Way campus, we're looking to have just a, a really massive choir and and make it such a morning of celebration and rejoicing. We want to uh, really, hopefully the choir is so big that the whole church turns into a choir, but really just be praising Jesus and recognizing what has been done for us. Right. So what I thought is, man, if you're listening to this and you want to be involved with the Easter egg hunt, um, we will start to put together like egg packing parties we have we have so many plastic eggs that need to be stuffed with candy uh we also will need candy as time comes comes closer and closer so you can bring that to uh, a service by the time this is out we we should have some sort of donation boxes or at least a a way to receive candy um if you want to help out and chaperone that easter egg hunt let me know ahead of time because we do kind of go through a a process but that would be a great event to just be a part of and make sure kids are safe 
And then uh, as far as choir, I was thinking then, you know, because I kind of got out, got out in front of this. If you want to be part of the choir, they could fill out like a connection card, right? Or even go on the website and there is a, uh, there's a way that you can submit like prayer requests and things like that. Use like, hey, man, I'm interested in the choir and we'll get you connected to our choir director and we'll just make sure the ball is rolling. On awesome. That. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Um, the way the choir works around here, you don't have to be an, an opera singer to be in the choir. You can come um, all sorts of different voices that they'll find a spot for you. And so I'd encourage people, if they've have any interest whatsoever, come check it out. Yeah, actually I would encourage that. I, uh, years ago, <laughs> my, when I was a youth pastor, uh, some of the kids in my, in the church wanted to start doing, they wanted to start doing Wednesday night worship. And so I remember playing with the idea and we showed up and I started playing a couple songs and none of the kids really sang along with us because we were a small group. And I asked them, like, hey, what are you, are you guys nervous about singing together? And a lot of the boys were like, you know, we don't have good voices. I don't want to be embarrassed by that. And I shared with them this thought, and I would share this with you as a choir, is that when you listen to a child sing, a child sing, oftentimes it's not very good. They're just singing and it's, it's heartfelt maybe. But for some reason, when you take a bunch of children who as individuals don't sing well and you put them together in like in a school presentation, there's something about that that sounds really good. It's something that sounds really endearing. So, you know, I would encourage you, like, if you're interested in the choir, but you're, you're not confident about your singing abilities, when you're singing with other people, something about that, that being part of that team, it presents something powerful. And so uh, the kids, when I pitched that to them, they... It convinced them so we started doing worship and that was powerful but i would say the same thing for you if you're nervous about singing and you're not confident about yourself hey that's all right yep. you're part of something larger than yourself and it's going to be powerful there's something that happens when you discover that the voice you have is a voice god gave you and he gave you that voice to give him glory to sing uh something transpires in a soul when you just start to say i'm going to praise god because he's my maker and my savior you know yes for sure so, Mike, um, I don't think there's any other news this week. It seems like a kind of light week for for just chitter-chatter. Yeah. I think I'm ready to jump into this week's topic. Yeah. If you're, if you're ready. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. So, if you are following along, you know that we are reading um, Who Am I? Identity in Christ. If you go to Valley, there are books available at all campuses. Yep. Um, if you have been on our Facebook page or anything lately, I've actually put uh, a link to Amazon to where you can pick up this book if you want to follow along there there as well. So um, that's the book we're reading. And this this week we're discussing chapter two. Yep. Yeah. Mike, do you kind of want to walk us through the structure of the chapter? Like what people will experience as they're, or at least how, how does it flow? Yeah, yeah. So um, Jerry Bridges in this book, Who Am I? He, he's asking this question, Who Am I? And he's asking it not just from the... I'm a human being perspective, but really from the, I, I know Jesus, right? And so chapter one, we talked about that last week and we talked about how chapter one really identifies that we are creatures and God is the creator. We are finite and he is infinite. So we are dependent, we are vulnerable. Um, and so we need him. Um, and that's true of all of humanity. But then when you get to chapter two, he, he takes a turn and it really begins by saying there is a difference between someone who is a creature and someone who is a child of God. Everyone in the world is a creation right. made by God. But but then for Christians, there's something unique for us in our identity that's not true of anyone else, uh, or it's not true of those who have yet to trust Jesus. It's that we are in Christ. We are children of God. And so that's really how the, the chapter begins with kind of this follow-up question, uh, who am I a, as a Christian? 
And so the answer to that then, the most beautiful phrase ever is, I am in Christ or in Greek, en Christo, right? And so he he describes that this is a major theme for the Apostle Paul. Uh, He says Paul uses it 160 times, right? More than 160 times in his letters. I mean, can you think of all the different times just reading through Paul's letters? And uh, you just come across this this phrase. You do, yeah. When when the author points that out, I started to realize, like, yeah, all throughout his epistles, this is this is his his go to phrase over and over again, yeah. which shows much of what he teaches is based on the idea that we are in Christ. For those of us who call Christ a Savior and Lord, that is foundational for us. That's right, and it, it's so prevalent in the Scripture that we almost like gloss over it, right? Like. You, you, when you read it that many times, you can just kind of read past it like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Without realizing that when he's penning these words, when God's inspiring him to pen these words, this is like, this is foundational to, to every believer's life. Our identity is in Christ. Um, but to, to flesh that out, he actually, uh, what he does is he starts by reminding us that humanity is kind of divided uh, and everyone is represented by being in Christ or being in Adam. And so that's kind of the, the, the way he starts this argument. So we talk about being in Adam. What comes to your mind when it, uh, when it, it comes to being in Adam? When I think of uh, being in Adam, uh, it refers to the old nature, the old ways. Or, uh, you asked me what it comes to my mind. Yeah. Um, I think of... Well, I think about in Ephesians, it talks about the old nature and the new nature, right? The, the nature of the flesh and the nature of, which, which is then more of the nature of the spirit. I think about my sin. I think about um, my propensity to rebel. That, those are the things that come to my mind when I think of um, Adam. That's exactly it, right? He talks about Romans 5, uh, starting in verse 12. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. That's Adam, right? And death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. This is talking about that Genesis 3 passage where, man, Adam and Eve, they do the one thing they're called not to. They they rebel against God. They disobey. They don't trust God. And so sin and death and condemnation enter into the world. And so because of Adam, we are all we're all part of that line of sin. We are all in sin. And so Adam is really the representative of fallen humanity, mm-hmm. all of us in, in, in our rebellion. And it's important to remember, this is not just the representative sin, but this is my sin, right? Yes. My sin. Like because of my sin, I'm in opposition to God as well as because I, I'm standing in Adam. So that, that's kind of where, where he starts. And then there's that passage that you mentioned from Ephesians 2, dead in our sin and trespass past with, 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 with which we once walked, right? And so this separation from God. Um, and I, I like the picture that he gives. I don't know if you remember it, but he talks about, imagine all of humanity lined up behind one of two people. Either lined up behind Adam, and so you were in Adam, which in Adam you are under condemnation because of sin or the rest of humanity who trust in Jesus, they're lined up behind Jesus, right? Uh, Verse 19 of of that chapter says, so that by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And so in Christ, as the many made righteous, this is saying that Jesus is my representative. 
when God looks at me, when God looks at Andrew, when God looks at Mike, when God looks at anyone who believes in Jesus, what, what does God now see? Now they see Christ. Yeah. Because that's, that's who, the one who stands before us. We're, we're in line with him, right? That illustration, if you're looking down the line, that's the first person yep. he sees. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just Christ. It's like the, the work of Christ, like the perfect obedience of Jesus. Yes. And so it really comes down to obedience and disobedience and, and who we stand behind. If we stand behind Adam, we, God looks at us and he sees the, the sin of Adam. He sees the rebellion of Adam and of me. But when we trust in Jesus, when, when our identity is in Christ, God sees the perfect, like entire life of Jesus's obedience attributed to us. And so that's why he doesn't talk about this verse, but my favorite verse about being in Christ is Romans chapter eight, verse one it says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Right. And so this is this, this idea that if I am in Christ, if this is my identity, when God looks at me, there is zero, none, like not a speck of God's condemnation toward me. Why? Because because Jesus paid the price for it and Jesus gave me his perfect obedience. And so there's there's no condemnation required. Right. So this is this is I guess if we're talking about the practical reality of being in Christ, this is where it starts, right? Maybe someone listening today, they think about their past. I mean, I think about my past. I've sinned. I have times in my life when I have sinned royally. I, I've turned my back on God. And it'd be pretty easy to carry around guilt and carry around shame and just start, you know, kick myself all the time and be like, oh, I guess I'm worthless, right? But if God, the creator, looks at me now, who's going to judge the entire world, he looks at me and he says, if I'm in Christ, there is now no condemnation. That means I literally can let go of that guilt and that shame. I no longer have to be identified as someone who is guilty and someone who's full of shame. That is, I mean, it's hard to convey over a microphone on the internet how significant of a truth that is. Sins forgiven, washed away, no condemnation, you are in Christ. So that's, that's I guess, the first aspect of being in Christ that, that this this book or this chapter talks about but it's not just this uh you know I'm, I'm in christ i'm forgiven my my sins are gone being in christ is actually even more personal than that yeah so he goes from right so it introduces the idea that we are one in christ and to understand what that means we need to understand that we were that adam was our representative and then you hit the next section is that christ is now our representative and then so you, you touched on the subheading obedience and disobedience. And now we're coming into the living union That's right. of the chapter of the book. Yeah. And so, I mean, we're, we're, there's a lot here and we're going to come back and circle back and kind of walk through this a little bit more, uh, hopefully in bite sizes, but, uh, talking about the union, like there, there's a blessing here because when we were in Adam, we were not, we were rebellious and we were defiant. We were against God. And you know what? Some people, doing youth ministry for so long, people are like, people will say things like, well, it's not fair that I'm blamed 
for what Adam did back, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago. And that's, whether that's true or not, the truth is that you yourself are still sinful. That Adam, who is representative, representative of the human race, shows that like just we as a people are sinful, and so our rebellion separates us from God, and we we can't do good things. It's not until Christ in us that when we're united in that that we we receive the blessing to actually have hope to change, and and to be one with God. And there's there's a deeper blessing yeah. in that, and that's that's what this next section is is going to be about is like really kind of the outliving of what it really means to have that union to Christ in us, mm-hmm. and it's so foundational. I, I you're right, it's hard. The depth of everything we just talked about, and we just kind of just threw out there, it's so easy just to gloss over and then to read it and to know it in your head. But to really take the time to think about in your heart and in your mind what this really means, it takes time to be really like, to meditate on that. Because what you're end up doing is you're applying this truth as actually being your identity. You think about a baptism, you think about someone who when they're baptized, they're identifying with Christ. They, they believed in Jesus, but now they are publicly proclaiming that. And that's part of what makes baptism so powerful is someone is saying this, this old life with all of my sin, with all of the wrong I've done, that is no longer who I am. I have, I have died to that and I'm, I'm being raised with Christ. I have a brand new identity. And this is, this is not just a transactional identity. Okay, I'm in Christ. Jesus is my representative. And now I can bebop with my life, you know, you know, struggling and kind of doing whatever I want. And at times in my own power, trying to, to follow Jesus. This is actually a union where I am, where I am connected intimately with Christ. One of the verses that he, he references a few times is, it's 1 Corinthians 1.30. He says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And this is just recognizing like, this is like a a present, a gift that just keeps giving, right? When you say I am in Christ, you say, man, Jesus now is my wisdom. So he directs my thoughts. He helps me understand life the way I need to. He's my righteousness. We're going to talk about that some next week. He's my sanctification. Like he's the one who's, he represents me as holy, but he's also making me holy. He's my redemption. Jesus is the one who has done all of this for me. And now I walk with him and I'm, I'm being led by him. He's strengthening me. He's guiding me. He, he is living in me. I think you mentioned that. Um, yes. And I, I was thinking maybe this might be a little off, but like I was thinking a an amazing way to illustrate this is I, I was thinking about human relationships. And what I mean by that is this. Imagine someone who has been married three or four times. And oftentimes in, in, in this line of work, when I meet when I meet people who have been divorced several times and they, they leave, there's there are there's a really common path in that every time a relationship breaks down they start to think of what was wrong with another person over and over and over again. And they, they start to get angry. They start to get bitter. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of mistrust. There's a lot of just shame that they don't know how to deal with at first. And I, I remember a pastor once told me that eventually, if you meet someone who has been in and out of like numerous relationships 
so quick. Eventually, that person has to ask himself, what's, is it the people that you're choosing or is it the chooser, right? You have to, are you self-aware enough to take the time to look at like, maybe there's something wrong in your own heart. And that's, that's not just relationships. Like at some point in time, everyone has to be, I hope, I pray that people are self-aware enough to realize there's something broken inside of us. Maybe you have anger. Maybe you have trust issues. Maybe you have um, jealousy issues. And you start, you start to see this, this vile aspect of your heart. Because the truth is, all of us have that. That's brokenness inside of us. And the other, the issue with that too is that without Christ, naturally, when we are confronted with our own brokenness, we justify it. Mm-hmm. And it, I, there's a part of us, I think, because we're created in the image of God, that even though we justify it, we know like we don't want this. That's exactly what Adam did, right? Yes. And you think about it, what's he say? He blames. He he plays the blame game, right? He does, yeah. He justifies. And, and that's where we align. We are getting in line behind Adam mm-hmm. instead of getting in line behind Jesus yes, when we do that. Exactly. And so, and what I was getting to was like this idea of being united in Christ. And you, you know, earlier before we we started recording this, you know, I asked like, what's the big idea, and what's like, what's what's how is this information about being united in Christ useful? You talked about hope. That's one of the things we talked about when we're united in Christ. When we when we align ourselves with Christ, that ugliness, that shame, the anger, the frustration, that rebellion in us, now there is something that will actually change us for the better. For God's glory. Let me give you a different example yeah. from a different angle. I, I spent some time with a, a retired elderly couple yesterday. Okay. The wife is having some health issues and uh, sitting with this husband, this man of God. They've been living married for years. And, you know, they, they were not perfect, right? They they had a past just like all of us do. But he was sitting there telling me, he's like, Mike, I, uh, I'm just realizing this life, it's, it's about how I can give myself for my wife. Right, and he quoted John three sixteen, and I said, "Let me give you another verse." And I, I uh, read for him from Galatians chapter two, verse verse twenty, where where Paul says, "I have been crucified with Christ. I am in Christ." Right? He says, "It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God." And then it says, "This, who loved me and gave Himself for me." There's this this intimacy of walking with Jesus. And, and you know, there is religion aspect to our faith. I, I don't think we want to do that dichotomy. It's a relationship, not a religion. It's both, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there, there is this relationship aspect when you are in Christ, when you embrace the fullness of the death and resurrection of Jesus applied for you. He is your substitute. And now you are in Christ. When you see how much he loved you, then you know what you do? You live that life for him and, and it transforms you and so that's where that hope comes from in the struggle you know if you're sitting there struggling with with sinful behaviors and you feel like man i'm never going to get past this or i'm always going to keep falling i'm always going to say the wrong thing or be a jerk or be greedy or lustful or selfish or whatever it is you, you realize the more you identify with jesus that's where that hope to break those chains comes from and the more you realize what has been done for you that's where your heart starts to get soft and be transformed, and and then you you start to live like Christ because you're in Christ because you're following him. You're right in line behind him. Yeah, you know I, I think about my own life, and what you just said is exactly that is a common sorry that is a practice that I pray would be common amongst Christians, in the sense that as you live your life, 
God reveals, as he sanctifies, as he reveals sin in our lives. I think the natural reaction is to see, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. How can I call myself a Christian? I better, I better fix this so that I can be worthy of Christ. That's the wrong action, but that's what we think, right? It's like, it's even before someone becomes a Christian, sometimes people think "I, I better get my act together before I go to church. When really, when really, when you realize how much of a sinner you are, how much to the next level you are guilty of something, you can stop and realize, man, Christ died for me. Amen. Christ died for that. And what that does is that makes, when I realize that, it makes me value the cross that much more. Because here's what you're saying in that moment. It says, this is no longer true of me. This is not my primary identity. Yes, I've sinned. Yes, I, I've failed. Yet, Jesus has already paid the price for this. When God looks at me, he does not see this. He sees the, the faithfulness and the perfect obedience of Christ, my substitute. Yes. That's my identity. Yeah, and, and because of that, because of that, because when you realize, because sanctification is a real thing, and like you, you are constantly like I feel like God will continually reveal another level of brokenness in your in your heart. Instead of turning away in shame, what you do is you turn to Christ, and because He's, you have been attributed His righteousness and His obedience, you are actually free to come before God right there and then, and say, God, this, this is something you've revealed to me, and I, I, I seek, to, I, I look to you to change this. And to me, when I like, when I have that opportunity, I rejoice because that's God bringing me closer an opportunity to experience more of his goodness and his glory. You know, the more I think about this, I just get excited because it is, it's Christ in us. Like, because he, because God sees that, that we, we really are free from shame. The moment we feel sin, we moment we recognize sin in our lives. We don't, it, we have to fight that natural reaction and be like, oh, I need to fix this so that I can be worthy of God. No, Christ has already made you worthy because of what he has done. Now, at that moment, turn back to Christ. Because if God revealed something to you, that's because he's calling you closer. And he's going to change that. So this is uh, one of the mysteries, right? That, that we are in Christ and yet Christ is in us. Right? The spirit dwells in us and, and through the indwelling Holy Spirit, Christ is in us as well. Like this is where that power comes from. And so as we're talking, it, it made me think about the song that uh, we've been singing pretty regularly at our services. Uh, it's called Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. And uh, maybe we can link to that in in the show notes or whatnot. But yeah. it, it's just the, the whole song over and over again, it recognizes the power of Jesus in us, the power of our identity being in Christ, even though we're weak, even though we're sinful, even though there's pain and there's suffering and there's darkness, right? Because of who Jesus is and what he's done, because our identity is now rooted in Christo in Christ, there is power, not in myself, but through Christ in me. And it really is. I mean, it's been wonderful here in our church sing this song because people are just belting it and people are just rejoicing as they recognize I am weak. I can't do it yet. I can because Christ is in me and that's that identity change. You know, I, I, we started this episode talking about, we often gloss over the idea that we are united in Christ, that we are in Christ. And I know it's not, I don't know if it's common practice or not, but like 
the idea of meditating or even just uh, just repeating something in your mind, just sitting in a truth, I think escapes people because that's in our language. Like, man, there's if I say the word mindfulness or meditation, like it means so many different things in in our culture now. But I think it's really important to take the time to just sit and just contemplate the truth that Christ is in you, like that his his righteousness and his obedience has been attributed to you. Because as you think about that, you start to think about maybe where your sins are, but because of you, you're a sinner, it's okay. Recognize your sin and turn to Christ. Yeah. It becomes this, this exercise in repentance. So I think maybe this is a perfect spot to really just land because the world thinks about meditation in all sorts of different ways, emptying your mind, all that. Mm-hmm. Yet Christian meditation is actually filling your mind, yeah. right? Uh, Psalm, Psalm one, right, talks about the the right or the blessed one. Is, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Yeah. And and so maybe this is where we land is just saying, what would it look like if we as believers regularly stopped and and believed, reminded ourselves of our identity that we are in Christ. He is our representative before God, no longer Adam. God sees now the the perfection of Jesus applied to us. And not only that, it's relational. We, he draws near to us and we've drawn near to him. I, I think I I 100% agree with you. I think we could go on and on and on and talk about how amazing this is. And the truth is that's how, what we're going to be talking about this stuff till the day we die. Cause that's, that's the mystery of the gospel. Right. But I think ending this with the idea that like, if you're listening to this, I would, I would plead with you to just stop, take a moment and just sit on that truth that you are in Christ. Open up to first Corinthians chapter one, verse 30, open up to Romans chapter eight, verse one, and, and maybe read those a few times slowly out loud. Let that truth wash over you. You are in Christ. Yeah. You know, as we're coming to an end here, and then I, I want to leave that as the challenge then. Mike, will you please pray for our listeners? Yeah. Yeah. Father, we rejoice knowing that it's not because of our ability to be good enough, our self-righteousness. Lord, we, we can't bring anything to the table. We don't boast in ourselves at all. We were lost and in Adam, represented by his sin and our sin. And yet Jesus came and lived that perfect life died our death as our substitute was buried and resurrected so that we who believe are now able to to boldly joyfully proclaim declare we are in christ and lord i pray for those today listening lord that that if anyone listening has yet to trust jesus has yet to be placed in christ that today would be the day that they trust they believe in jesus and his death and resurrection they're saved. And Lord, I pray for those listening who have trusted already. God, I pray that you would just fill their heart with joy, their mind with peace. You would allow them to be secure knowing that they're in Christ and that that would give them hope. That would, that would change their life. I pray it would change my life and Andrew's life as well more and more every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.